This is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Rashawn Leak, and on the show tonight, I wanted to dive into mental health, y'all. I don't know about you, but it's been a hard winter, a hard two years. I've lost some people, and I bet you have too. Whether it's COVID, a breakup, folks moving away, or even a friend or family member who lost their mental health or substance disorder struggles. We're gonna talk about ways to address this head on together. Coming up, we have musician Alex Boyer, who's headlining Utah's first ever Utah Suicide Prevention Mega Concert, May 7th at the Maverick Center in West Valley. He says, straight up, music has saved his life. I don't know about y'all, but KRCL has definitely helped for me. Dr. Mike Jaffe will talk about the role of diet, exercise, and mindfulness in keeping a positive outlook. And James Holman, a licensed marriage and family therapist with Lion Crest Counseling in Salt Lake, will share his knowledge, especially when it comes to the mental health of our youth. But before we get into our legislative update, I wanted to remind you about Black, Bold, and Brilliant. Tonight, y'all, Hearts and Minds Edition, 7 o'clock p.m. online. So you can still get on this and join us right after Radioactive. This is our collaboration with the Utah Film Center. We're going to screen the legendary 1971 conversation between James Baldwin, renowned author and intellectual, and poet, writer, and activist Nikki Giovanni. They talk about race, love, and artistic inspiration. And then we will too. You don't need a ticket, but you do need to reserve a seat, which you can do right now at utahfilmcenter.org. All right, let's get started with our legislative update with Katherine Weller of the League of Women Voters of Utah. The League has volunteers keeping an eye on the people's business for you and for me as lawmakers make and unmake laws. Katherine, what's going on with the general session? Oh, well, so much, Rashawn, so much. We are into the hot and heavy period where things generally start to get a little bit crazy. We're, it, the session ends on May, nope, March 4th. It seems like it goes on a long time, but it's really fast. And so we're starting to see a lot of bills come out that um, are Good. And a very lot of bills that are coming out that are not so hot. And I want to focus on elections and voting bills because there has been some significant bills released in the past seven, 10 days that are really going to change the way Utah does elections. And so mm-hmm. people need to be aware of them. Ooh, uh, so so election security. So, I, you know, I've been here 11 years. So I've had my chance to vote a couple of times and I like I like the way we do it. I thought it's pretty secure. And, you know, I mean, I'm going to just call it what it is, Catherine. We're a red state. So, I mean, that means it has been approved by the Republican Party, I would assume. So what's going on? Well, there are people have questions now, more questions than ever before. And a lot of these questions arise from a lot of different sources, um, mis and disinformation, and some genuine concerns about the election systems. Because it is important to note that as powerful and good as we think Utah's election systems are, there are always tweaks that can be made to make it better. But there's a difference between throwing out the baby with the bathwater, like some of these bills do, and um, tweaking the elections themselves. So let's just start with HB 313, which comes to us 
from Representative John Hawkins, and it is called election security amendments. So, you know, who, who has anything against secure elections? Well, there are, there are provisions in this bill that are very, very troubling, particularly for our friends in the disabled community. Um, the Disability Law Center has a, a great position on this. Among other things, this bill requires a person for voting in Utah for the first time to include with their ballot a copy of their Utah driver's license or their state ID card. It also, and this is where things get really tricky for people who need help, like our, our friends in the disabled community, in filling out their ballots. It requires anyone assisting a voter to vote to include a signed statement with the ballot indicating their name, relationship to the voter, and whether they were paid for the assistance. Um, this, this smacks of a solution in search of a problem and it casts people in a, a criminal light. You're you're guilty until yeah. proven innocent when you are helping grandma fill out her ballot. It feels I mean maybe I'm maybe it's hitting me wrong, but it feels a little cringy. It feels like because some of these people it might be they might be paid professionals. You know what I mean? And it and it makes it look like there's some nefarious they're up to no good is what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Um, people who are assisting with ballot filling out in the state are mostly not pro paid professionals. They're relatives. There are people who are working in nursing homes who are helping their, their clients who don't have relatives to help them with their ballots. There's another important provision in this HB 313 that is troubling, and that is requiring cameras at all Dropbox locations. Um, Dropboxes are very secure units. Um, you can't just put an old post box out there. And most of them are already in secure locations. But if they are required to have cameras, particularly in small counties where there's not a lot of money for elections, the requirement to put a camera on a Dropbox location means we're not going to have as many Dropboxes for people to drop their ballots in. And that's going to affect voter turnout and the ease of people who want to vote. So the league does not oppose this bill for all of the reasons we just described. Um, additionally, Rashawn, there's been a lot of media, I'm sure you've seen it, about Representative Lyman's voting uh, revisions bill. This is a wholesale taking back of code to a period when we processed ballots and did things very differently in state, including removing vote by mail, removing drop boxes, removing same day voter registration, um, and removing the ability of groups like the League of Women Voters or the NAACP for heaven's sakes to do voter registration drives. It's mostly putting into statute what the initiative that will not make its signature load in time that would roll back voting provisions tried to do but can't. So uh, Representative Lyman is doing it for them. So I always when, when I hear these kind of revisions, I always wonder what is the fear of having more people voting? Because that's what it feels like the attack is. It's you're trying to control who can vote and when they can vote. And that's it's always worrisome a little bit, Catherine. Always has me a little worried. Has me on edge all the time. <laughs> and yes, everybody should be worried about that. 
Um, when government makes it more difficult for its citizens to provide feedback in the term of whether a politician can keep his or her job or not, that is not a good thing. This is an essential control that citizens have over our democratic governments. And when we make it more difficult in the guise of election security to make people vote, to give feedback to their government, we're going down a bad path. Now, Senator Lyman says he has concerns about discrepancies in voter rolls, potential voter fraud. He's not released the data that would show that such things are happening. But one of the things he pointed to is a discrepancy in Salt Lake County between the names on the voter rolls and the number of ballots cast. That is easily explainable. And is one of those things that we can fix, one of those tweaks I talked about at the beginning. Um, what happens, particularly in some of the bigger counties, is voters opt to keep their voter information private. This happens for a number of reasons. It could be a victim of domestic violence who's afraid of being tracked down. It could be somebody who doesn't want to be tracked by the government or parties for whatever reason. When they opt to keep their voter records private. It means that when a voter roll is released to a group for something like an elections audit, there are a substantial number of names that don't show up on that roll. About 20% less names show up on that roll than the ballots cast because their information is private. So there is a discrepancy there. Uh, you know, in, in the words of Jerry Maguire, Catherine, show me the money. You know, no data and you're just running with it, it you, 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 tr it, it feels, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to create a conspiracy theory, obviously, but it feels like you're trying to create un unrest and uncertainty and through, and then, you know, we, in this state, we already have a problem with our, our younger generation feeling disenfranchised and now we're making it harder and we're putting all these hurdles that they need to climb over just to vote and, and exercise their civic duties. You're right. You're right. And there is a way to fix this problem I just described. It's Senator Thatcher's Senate Bill 32, SB 32, called Voting History Amendments. What it would do is sign a random identification number to each voter who has elected to keep their information private. That will be released with the voter rolls so that when you count compare the number of people who voted in the last election with the rolls, the numbers look more in sync. Um, those numbers would be changed with each and every election to ensure privacy. So there are ways we can fix and tweak laws without disenfranchising our citizens. I love it. I love it. What else can we expect coming from the Hill? Um, I would right now keep my eyes open on, or right now keep your eyes on those bills. I'm going to just say this over and over again. Voting is fundamental to our democracy. If we can't provide feedback, we can't make any of the other changes that we need on the Hill. So there are some actions that everybody can take right now to support good government policy in the state of Utah regarding elections. Um, there is a petition that can be accessed on the league's website and on the Let Utah Vote Coalition that citizens can sign that asserts a 
their support for Utah's good election systems right now, our vote by mail, our drop boxes, our early voting centers, when they sign that petition, a postcard, a physical postcard will actually be made in their names and mailed to their state representative and their state senator, asking them to support Utah's good government laws. At the same time, I would point people to the League of Women Voters study that was just released in January on Utah's election protocols, because it's easy to worry about things that we don't have a lot of information about. And that's one of the other things that can change is Utah can be a lot more transparent about the security systems it takes. Well, the League of Women Voters surveyed the county clerks to find out how they run elections. And you can look at that um, study we did on our website and get a link to um, that petition so that you can protect your and your neighbor's rights to vote. I love it. I love it. And Catherine, where can folks catch up with you online at the People's House? All right. We meet at the People's House for our Legislative Action Committee every Thursday from 1230 to about two in Capitol Building, or I'm sorry, State Capitol Room 105 in the basement right by the Highway Patrol offices. And you can join us on Zoom if you don't want to go up to the Capitol. You can reach both of those things and all, all of the information I just mentioned on our website at lwvutah.org. Oh, I love it, love it. Well, it's always a pleasure having you on the show, Catherine. Thank you so much. I love to be here and talk about voting. Absolutely, we love having you. Let's stick with our legislative update as it relates to our upcoming Roundtable Tuesday discussion. Joining us to talk about bills that affect mental health services in Utah is Taryn Hyatt, Area Director of the American Federation for Suicide Prevention, Utah Chapter. What's going on, Taryn? Welcome to the show. Hello, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. So let's talk about Utah and the fact that we're in the top 10 when it comes to suicide. And I, I mean, I under normal circumstances, Taryn, I like, you know, I like being in top 10, but this is not one of them. No, I agree with you 100%. You know, I've been in this work for now coming up on 20 years, and we've been in the top 10, you know, ever since. Um, you know, Utah is one of many Rocky Mountain states. All of our neighbors, neighboring states live in that top 10, too. And there's some consistent things that, that occur in our states that put us there. You know, one, we're, we're the Rocky Mountain West. We live in higher elevations. There's been research for years that has shown that, that folks in higher elevations have, have more capacity for depression and struggle, sometimes with uh, antidepressant effectiveness. But again, elevation hasn't changed, so we know that's not the only thing. We have a lot of rurality in our states, so that means a lot of people without access to mental health care. And we have high gun ownership, and that is going to continue to be a hot topic for us and one that we have to address. You know, in Utah, about 86% of our gun deaths are suicide. And we have to talk about storing our firearms safely and continue that conversation to limit access um, so that we can help people, you know, stay alive. You hit on a couple few points that I want to talk about, because one, we know there's two things that we can't change. And one is the elevation. Yeah. I mean, and, and two, I'm just going to say it, you know, we are a red state and we know people are not giving up their guns. Nope. You know, so... So if, if we're listening to our listeners home, like what what can we do? What small steps can we take to start making big impacts to this number? Because I, yeah. I, I don't like speaking for people, but I, as a parent, as a Utah, as someone who loves living in high elevation, you know, I, I think we all want to address this. I think we all want to want to do small things to help be a part of a big change. 
Absolutely. You know, the first thing is, is being willing to talk about suicide, you know, being willing to address the elephant in the room. It can seem scary, but we know that by talking about it, it actually gives people permission to open up, to share their distress. Talking about it relieves some of those feelings of isolation, of, of feeling overwhelmed because you're being heard. And, and when it comes to our firearms, you know, own your guns. We're not here to tell you you can't, but store them safely. That means in a safe. That means with a trigger lock on it if you need to. You know, again, with the prevalence of, of suicide being so high with firearm usage, if you're worried about having quick access, again, they're those safes that you can, a biometric, right? You can put your fingerprint on and have access in a minute. But we continue to hear of suicide deaths that happen by, again, a, a firearm that's just not secured, especially with our youth. Um, in rural parts of our state, it's often their own firearm that they've been given for hunting and other activities. So we just have to encourage and practice safe storage. I agree 100%. All right, let's let's talk about bills. Let's talk about it. Are there ones that you're getting behind this session at the people's house? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of the biggest ones, and this is the one we're most excited about, um, is Senate Bill 177. So this is something that Senator Thatcher and Representative Elison have been working on for years, and it's bringing that three-digit crisis line to life. 988 is going to roll out in July of this year, and this is our crisis response system. So instead of calling 911 for a mental health emergency, we have a dedicated line that you're going to get a mental health response. We cannot keep expecting our law enforcement to, to come out on these mental health crisis calls when they're not trained to do so. And so 988 will go live. Again, when you call that number, you're being routed to what used to be the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You're going to get a trained mental health professional on the phone who can assess the situation and determine what the, the next steps are. It also asks for more funding for mobile crisis teams. So again, instead of law enforcement coming, lights and sirens coming, you have a peer support, somebody who's been there, a mental health professional in plain clothes coming to you. You know, we're not taking you to the emergency room. We're not locking you up against your will. You know, the care that we've provided for suicide risk has not always been safe and it's definitely not been effective. So this is a huge change. Um, again, it's got a huge fiscal note, about $14 million, so we know that we probably won't get all that funding, but we need your voices. You know, this is a, a step forward. Again, we need a, a mental health response to a mental health crisis. Yeah. Oh, I, I love everything you just said. I mean, uh, a couple, I would say, I don't know how long I've been doing this now, you know, COVID time. COVID time hits a little differently, Taryn. Uh, but we had police on and it, it was really surprising and eye opening to hear about all the random calls that they get that are outside of the, you know my understanding of the scope of what police do. So th this seems like a no brainer. What what is taking so long to get this? Because I, I love the thought of being, you know, having someone have access to 988 instead of 911. Absolutely. You know, it's, it, luckily, it's the brainchild, again, of Senator Thatcher. We've been in this process for years. We wanted to just do it in Utah, but luckily it went nationwide. You know, President Trump even was the one who signed in the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline Designation Act that made this happen. And so this will roll out nationwide. And what's taken so long is because, again, our communities haven't always viewed mental health the way that we needed them to, right? It's the same as our physical health. We all have a brain. We all have emotions. We all have, you know, we're all going to struggle at times. And, and we do need to respond to mental health crises differently. And again, you know, some of our law enforcement, yes, have been trained in crisis intervention, but not all of them. And again, we don't want to send them out to do a task that, that they're not trained for. That's not fair to them. And it's definitely not fair to the person that they're responding to. Uh, you know, you took the words right out of my, my, my mouth. It sure enough isn't fair to any party that's in part of this interaction. 
So when does this go? When does this roll? When does this go live? When yeah, so it rolls start? out. It rolls out in July. So you can actually even some cell phone carriers have it live now. Nine eight eight. So again, you're going to get funneled to our University of Utah Huntsman Mental Health Institute. That's who answers the lifeline calls here in Utah. Again, talk to a trained peer or excuse me, a trained counselor, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and again, you'll get a mental health response. This bill is also looking at implementing two more, what we call a crisis receiving center. Um, so those, we have one in Salt Lake, we have one in Utah County, this will initiate one in Weaver County, Davis County already has one, and then put one in a rural part of our state. And again, what these are is it's a diversion from jail. Instead of taking somebody who's intoxicated that needs substance use treatment, or again, somebody in a mental health crisis to, to jail, we're taking them to this receiving center where they can be assessed, given the next steps, right? We, we figure out what they need and, and again, treat the mental health aspect. And pause. Let's get Good to the stuff. root cause. We're, you know, we can't be just hitting it surface level. Got to yeah. get to the root of it. So what yeah. else are you looking at? So the other things we're looking at is there's some great behavioral health care amendments. We know that there's a provider shortage in Utah. Um, we're not going to solve that anytime soon. So there's grant programs looking at establishing what's called collaborative care, meaning that when you go to your primary care physician, they have a mental health professional in the room, right, or in there. So we can treat your whole body person in one visit. It's how we should be doing things, right? Because we know mental health affects our physical health. And so we, we just need to get people the access to things where they have it. We also are focusing on a mental health parity law. Representative Brian King has been a champion for this. We have in our state, okay, uh, public health employer insurance pro uh, programs who have basically opted out of the mental health parity law, meaning that they're denying coverage for behavioral health services when this has been law of the land since 2008. Uh, PEHP, who is one of the biggest insurers of state employees, they have opted out. Alpine School District has opted out. Canyons District has opted out. You know, we can't have that. Your employees deserve coverage for their mental health, and, and we need them to opt in or they need to go back to the drawing board and change their plans. And so we're grateful for Representative King for bringing attention to this so we can have parity. Again, you pay the same amount of coverage for your physical health as you do for your mental health. And they don't tell you, oh, guess what? You only get 10 visits. No, I get to come as much as I need to to take care of me. And you're going to cover it because that's why I pay insurance. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. This, I mean, if there's nothing else, this is the time that we should be racking up and saying, like, let's get you the, the help you deserve. Uh, ooh, anything else? I, I see that there's some uh, some events that might be coming up in the Valley. What's going on? Yeah, we definitely have some events. Real quick, though, before we yeah, leave please. the legislation, you know, there is a couple that have us concerned. Obviously, we have some of the trans health care bill coming back, HB 127. Thankfully, it hasn't seen the light of day yet in a committee hearing. But this is a bill that would uh, basically make it unethical conduct for a doctor to administer gender affirming health care to our trans youth. This is unacceptable. Eagle Forum has pushed for this now for three years. Um, again, every, every research point out there shows that gender affirming uh, health care saves lives. So we need to stick with science and again, encourage that, that our legislators do the same. So I just plug that one, you know, reach oh, out to your representatives, you. reach out to your representatives. But yeah, you know, we're, we're gearing up for some of our fun events now that we can be back together in person. So in, in uh, March, actually, we have our Utah uh, State University's campus walk. We have our ride to fight suicide coming up in June. And then in the fall, we do our big out of the darkness walks across the state. So uh, our Salt Lake one's happening on World Suicide Prevention Day this year, which is so exciting um, just to bring people collectively together. And again, um, share our stories of how we've been impacted and how we can continue the efforts to save lives. 
I love that. I, you know, it, it's, it really is come down to sharing. You know, I, I think a lot of times, and, and I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but a lot of times we feel like we're siloed. We feel like we're the only ones experiencing this. We're the only ones who understand. And that, and that's both families that are impacted. And I'm sure the people who are dealing with, you know, suicidal thoughts, it's, you know, I, I've said it a bunch, you know, if you're listening and you're thinking about it, you are not alone. We are here. We love you. We see you. We care for you. You know, reach out. 988 is the number. It's going in impact in, in you know, July. But thank you so much. Where can people get online and get involved? Yeah, visit our website, AFSP.org slash Utah. That's where all of our upcoming events, we have educational programs each month that are held virtually. In fact, we have two that I'll highlight quick as well. We have this coming Tuesday. Um, are, are supporting those at risk. So again, how to support somebody who's struggling. And then we're, we're partnering with Latino Behavioral Health to offer our More Than Sad for Parents in Spanish on February 26th. So love to have you come out and join us. Good. Yes. You hear that, people? Let's get out there. Let's show our support. We're in this together. Thank you so much, Taryn, for spending your afternoon with us. Oh, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. When we come back, we'll start the Roundtable Tuesday discussion. One of our panelists, Alex Boyer, will headline Utah's first ever Utah Suicide Prevention Mega Concert, May 7th at the Maverick Center in West Valley. This is his song, Ben Not Break, on KRCL. Before you go, can I ask you a question? Everyone plays a role in suicide prevention. Call 1-800-273-8255. Talk for 24-7, free and confidential support for people in distress, prevention and crisis resources for you or your loved ones, and best practices for professionals. Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. KRCL, your community connection since 1979. Welcome back to the Roundtable Tuesday edition of Radioactive. I'm Rashawn Leak. Let's get to the roundtable on tonight's subject of mental health. Joining me to share their own stories as well as expertise in the pursuit of good mental health, I have musician Alex Boyer, who's headlining Utah's first ever Utah Suicide Prevention Mega Concert, May 7th at the Maverick Center in West Valley. Dr. Mike Jaffe will talk about the mental health benefits of positive diet, exercise, and mindfulness strategies and Jameson Holman, a licensed marriage and family therapist with Lioncrest Counseling in Salt Lake. Last month, he and his colleague, Melanie Davis, started providing an extra layer of support and connection for teens with a BIPOC teen social skills and therapeutic connection group. What's going on, gentlemen? How you doing? Good We're to be doing here. well. Doing well. I mean, first, let's, let's, let's just pause and appreciate this topic because... Mental health is something that I would argue, uh, one, is very taboo in the Black community, but also overall just for men. Men don't talk about mental health enough, and I, and I appreciate to have a chance to really, to really have this conversation. So I'll start with you, Alexander. Alexander, how did you get caught up in this? And congratulations on the concert coming up. I'm excited for you, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Well, it really came from, you know, just like everything they talk about. My mom always used to say the gift comes in the struggle. And uh, when I was 16 years old, you know, my mom had moved to Nigeria. She was only supposed to go for three weeks. I didn't see her for eight years. I lived with an uncle who was abusive uh, mentally, um, emotionally, and sexually. 
And um, so I was 16 years old. One thing I loved to do was dance. I was a dancer. And that's where I got my release. So my goal was I was going to go to a nightclub and dance for that night and then take my life. So I, I, I'm on the dance floor now, dancing my heart away, crying my eyes out. Then the DJ, all of a sudden, I hear on the microphone, he's like, oh, yo, yo, yo. He's like, is that Alex Boye? And I'm just like, first of all, who I'm 16 years old. This is the 21-year-old and up. I still to this, like, I don't even know how I got in there, right? I knew someone who knew someone anyway. So come to find out, this DJ, he had uh, seen me perform at a talent show two weeks before, and he was the DJ. So it's like, yo, you guys don't know this guy. He's going to be big one day. Alex, I want to dedicate this song to you. I'm standing in the middle of the club like this. What is going on? He plays the song. Guys, the song, it just spoke to me. It like lifted up my spirits. It was like 10 years worth of therapy in three minutes and 58 seconds. This one song. And I remember thinking, I went into this club. Suicidal, I came out with an ounce of hope, just a mustard seed, but that was all I needed. Changed my life. That was the day when I was 16 that I decided I wanted to be an entertainer. I mean, you know, and I, and I hate to say or sound cliche, but music saved your life. I mean, music, ha like, you know, it, it's got that power. It's, remember it's that song, that it saved my life? Do you remember that song? <laughs> Yes, I do. Oh, I that's real, man. That was real. And so I've spent my whole musical life using music because people use music to save them by accident. You know, you go in, you, you go in, uh, you're riding somewhere and you're having a crazy sucky time. You turn on the radio, a song comes on and it hits you like, oh, and you feel really good. But we do it by accident. So these concerts are actually, we invite all the mental health therapists all over Utah set up their booths. We use music and we have people that speak in between the music. It's like a cross between a YouTube concert and a TED talk, <laughs> but it's so powerful. I did it three times now and it's been amazing. And so I'm like, I got to do this here in Utah in our hometown. So right, well, I, I, I love it. I love it. Well, well, Jameson, I want to, I want to shift the conversation over to you is, are we seeing a rise in that? I mean, this is, you know, while this is obviously Alexander's story, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like he is alone in that, where you, you kind of hit that crossroads and, and you, you're ready to give up. Yeah, there's actually a, a, a huge, huge population uh, shift uh, or mindset shift, rather, in that, that, that concept, really and truly. And I've seen it here in my own private practice where, I've seen a lot of people of color, a lot of black men specifically coming up, stepping up to the plate and saying, hey, man, I really need some help. I, I can't deal with everything that I have to deal with in the way that I need to be able to deal with it. And I'm just I'm tired of trying to do it the, the old fashioned way of, you know, don't worry about it. Put some, put some touching on it. You'll be all right. Put some dirt on it. You'll be all right. I'm tired of doing that. I want to get tools. I want to get help. I want to get some strategies that will really help me figure my stuff out. And that's been amazing to see that happening. And it's been amazing to witness that, that shift just across the board. And I don't know if it's necessarily been social media that's been kind of pushing that front or if it's just been like the nation and everything that we've been through that's been pushing that. But 
I'm just happy to see people finally taking advantage of it, particularly our black men, which has been amazing. Uh, and shout out to you, Alex. You don't remember me, but I met you like several years ago. And I, you were with Mark, a p the piano player, your, your piano player partner. You were with him and you guys were at an event or a party. I don't remember what it was, but you guys came up and talked to me and it just made my life to be able to hang out with a couple of blokes from, from across the pond, man. It was awesome. So good to see you again. <laughs> I love it. So I want I want to stay with you, Jameson. And I, you know, as, as a father, you know, I, I know I know Alex is a father. I I know uh, Mike is a father. You know, I'm not sure if you if you have uh, kids yet. But but with the kids class, can we talk about it? The kids class and what are teens going through? Yeah, I'm a father myself. I have a two year old son and a seven year old daughter, and they're the world to me. So I'm definitely on that level. And yeah, Melly and I just did this team uh, BIPOC support group where it was amazing. We just got the opportunity to just hang out with a bunch of teenagers and just really understand like what their struggles are. What are they going through? What's life like being like, you know, a black person in, in a you know, vast majority white state? What is that like for you? How does that come out on a day to day level? Like, what does that look like? And we learned so much from them. But the biggest thing that we learned was they have a strong sense of who they are and how they want to navigate in this world. The problem is they don't have other people that are like them that they can go and be with and be able to do that and to have that support. And so being able to provide that as a place for them was amazing. And I, and I tell Melanie all the time, I think I had more fun and learned more about you know myself just kind of hanging out with these teenagers than they probably learned from me, which was amazing in and of itself. I love that. I love that. All right, Mike, I want to bring it over to you. So Alex was talking about like, you know, dance and music kind of, you know, being like, I don't want to say the full catalyst, but it was part of that recipe that helped. And when it comes to exercise, diet and mindfulness, what, what should we really be focusing on? Is there, I don't want to say there's a magic button. There's not a magic song, but is there, is there a, a mindset shift that we could be thinking about to kind of help us? Absolutely. Um, so just a little background on me. I'm a physical medicine rehabilitation physician. I'm an MD. I'm a, a do spine and musculoskeletal injury. Um, and as part of counseling people on how to deal with that, I, I talk about diet and exercise and lifestyle changes on a regular basis. Uh, a plug for me, I'm going to be starting to work at the Smart Clinic in Draper in about a month. I'm currently between jobs. But, you know, just dropping back a couple of years, I've been promoting diet on KRCL, particularly sugar-free February and how to eat properly for a few years now. And um, my mindset, you know, coming out of training was that exercise is the key to, you know, physical happiness, physical ability. Um, and it turned out diet is way more important for physical than you'd think, you know, in terms of what you eat is more important than how much you exercise in terms of maintaining your body, maintaining your weight. So my suspicion is that that's going to be true with depression. So um, thinking about depression from a mechanical, you know, what's going on inside the brain, some of it's inflammation of the glial cells, the support cells that sort of depress the whole body. So, you know, um, what you eat, or there are little things that you do throughout the day that make you feel good or make you feel bad. 
for example, you know, if I eat a cookie at lunchtime, I feel really bad 90 minutes later. I look tired. If I eat a salty meal and I'm, you know, don't, I guess I don't drink enough water with it, then my osmolality changes and my brain gets fatigued. I look like I'm, I'm troubled. I look pained. I got a dark patch on the side of my eye that gets darker and I look angry and I look evil and, you know, I wrinkle my forehead. Um, so what is it that doesn't create inflammation? You know, like, again, if you don't sleep well, well, your brain's kind of depressed the next day. It's, it doesn't feel right. What, what leads you to feeling tired, fatigued, uh, unmotivated, slow and sleepy? Well, we can manipulate that. So the standard American diet or the Western diet, which includes, you know, red meats, um, processed meats, uh, refined grains, refined sugars, alcohol, um, dairy, high fat dairy in particular, you know, those are things that all lead to this inflammation cascade. Um, the foods that we're trying to eat, you know, are that are the plant-based whole food diets. So those are your vegetables, your nuts, beans, fruit, mushrooms, soy, changing your diet into that kind of standard can lead you to feel better, can help your mood within two weeks. It'll also help your sleep. It'll also help your weight. I'm going to throw this out here, Mike, because uh, I'm feeling attacked right now. My gummy bear sitting right to the, to the right of me with, you know, but, uh, but honestly, you, you're making, you're making a, a lot of good points, you, you know, and, and I, I, I think we all understood, like, you know, there was definitely a, a correlation between diet, mental health and physical health. And is that something that you're, you know, from a physical injury perspective, you know, something that your pa patients are saying, like, even with as they deal with the mental aspect of, you know, I'm injured now I have COVID or I'm dealing with COVID around me. Is that is that something that they're having a, a, their own breakthroughs of trying to you know open up, if you will, like the the again going back and prescribing exercise, people would come back and say, I'm doing it. I still hurt. I'm certainly more capable than I used to be. Um, but when you change people's diet, everything about their lives changes. And it's amazing. They walk back in. They're like, you won't believe it. I did what you said. I thought you were crazy. And five weeks later, I've lost 20 pounds. I'm sleeping better. My bowel movements are better. You know, my pain's better. So that's really sort of part of the drive that has got me you know, theoretically going off the deep end compared to the standard American norm. Oh, so I know you're a dad and I know you got uh, teenage kids. So how is the buy-in at home? Because that's, you know, it's one thing to change, you know, for you. But yeah. now we're talking about we're trying to change for the whole house. And that, that comes with a whole nother slew of, of issues. Buy-in is hard. However, feeding them healthy food every night for their entire lives, they don't know any different. You know, like mm -hmm. if I serve vegetables with tofu and some, you know, peanut sauce on brown rice, it's great. They love it. But, you know, transitioning to that a couple times, you have to eat the new food till you think it's good. Right. Right. But so, but you know, they eat sugar, they're teenagers. Um, they're active. No, I hear that. So, so Jameson, I want to touch on it because, because Mike really touched on a, a lot of important messages. So 
should we all be really looking at therapy? Should we all, I mean, especially now more than ever, should we all really be not just focused on our, what we're putting inside our bodies, what we're, you know, are we exercising, but also making sure our mental is, is on point. Absolutely. And let me, let me ask you a question. When you have car troubles, where do you go? Who do you go to? Yeah, I mean, you look at so this is not the right you question because I'm YouTube. <laughs> I'm like, what does YouTube have to say right now? But yeah, but absolutely, you're, you're mechanic. You go, to, yeah. you go to your mechanic. You, you go to your mechanic. You go to your mechanic. If you're trying to get like ripped, you try to look like you know, like one of the Avengers. Like, who do you go to? You go to to a trainer, a personal trainer. It's the same thing with your brain. When you're not in where the space you want to be in mentally, you need to go see a therapist. Like, it, it just makes perfect sense and. For whatever reason, for the longest time, there's been this stigma around going to go get help. Like you're admitting defeat. Like you're admitting, you know, that there's something wrong with me and that I'm broken and I can't, I can't do anything right. When it's far from it, it's actually the exact opposite. What you're doing is you're going in and you're getting things taken care of. You go see a doctor when you're feeling sick. It's no difference than going to see a mental health professional when you got some stuff that you're tackling that you need to be able to get a, a, a second perspective on. All right. So I think it's absolutely critical and it's important and it's a part of the whole trend and going back to what michael was talking about you know that diet piece is critical because if you're not eating right you're not going to be feeling right and of course the depression levels are going to be spiked of course you're going to be feeling more fatigued and as we get older we realize hey man we can't do the same things we used to do i was just having this conversation the other day with my own mom so i was like mom why didn't you tell me i can't be going to you know, like to, to the steakhouse and like, you know, tearing up a, a, a porterhouse like I used to back in the day. And she was like, you can't do that stuff anymore, son. You got to change that diet up, you know, because now you got to be on the lookout for like diabetes, high blood pressure, you know, all these sort of things that we just take for granted when we're younger because we feel like, oh, you know, I can go to a buffet and tear that whole thing up and I'll be fine. And you can't do that type of thing anymore. And you got to be able to put yourself in those positions where you're going to be successful and being able to go get your mentals picked out it's the same thing. Oh man, you, you know, I, I, I normally like to have my wife listen to all my shows, y'all, but y'all, I might have to have her not tune in today. This life, life changing stuff. So, so Alex, last night I, I went, I went down, the, I went down a rabbit hole playlist of your music, and I, I was, I was jamming, I was inspired, I was touched, I was, you know, and the like a lot of your songs, you know, they, they don't. You know they they're emotional. They are you are you are triggering an emotional reaction. So we where does that come from? Is that come from your journey? Is that you know other artists like what's on your playlist? What's driving that? It definitely comes from from history. You know just from life. You know uh, I like what you said about therapists. You know I mean James because I was once I'm see I've been seeing two in the last six months. You know, but I remember uh, someone said. Um, there's a two, there's only two people in this world, two types of people. One, those people who have a therapist, the other ones, those who ought to have a therapist. And that's been a really big thing, you know, for me. And because I'm, man, because a lot of people say, oh, Alex, man, you're so happy and this and that and that and this. I'm like, it's like when you go to someone like who's been working out, you see all those muscles and you look at them and you're like, man, look at you, man. You're so ripped. I wish... Wish I could be ripped like that. Are you willing to put in the work to be ripped like that? Oh, it's the same thing with up here. It's hard work, man. And I, I'm talking working 
over and over every single day that mindfulness and being aware constantly and asking myself that question, am I doing okay? What I'm realizing is that whatever feeling that I have, my conversations and my thoughts has brought that on. And if we go back to what I've been eating too, I, I totally, man, MJ, <laughs> that's what I'm call you. I feel that it's, it, it goes back and I'm trying to, I'm reading a lot of books from the old school. Um, I'm talking like books from the 1950s and 60s and stuff like that. And it, it's funny though, all these mental health books, they're always just been stolen from the Bible. Anyway, that's a whole another story. But honestly, I really, uh, for, for me, it's a daily effort because sometimes we don't think. Does that make sense? It's like, we don't think about what we're thinking about. We just go throughout the day and whatever comes in, we just let it expand. If something good happens in our life, you know what I mean? We let it expand. If something bad happens, we let it expand and we focus on it and we let that drive our whole thing. And I found that since I was young, all these things started coming out, all these bad experiences, my DNA has been storing all these childhood memories, traumatic stuff, real bad stuff. And, I, and I'd wake up in the morning in a bad mood and I'm wondering why. You ever felt that? Where you just wake up and you're just like, why am I feeling like this? You could be happy the day before, having a great time. And then also you wake up and you just feel sucky. I believe that that's, that's stuff that's trapped in you. And it really needs to get out. I like that's how true. you just described that. Like your DNA was storing that. Like, you know, that's not something we really think about. Like, you know, a lot of times we, we so focus on top of mind that that's not always the case. Yeah. And your brain sometimes will, will is your guest, is your helper, and it cancels it out for you because it doesn't want you to remember all those things because you'll be a mess. So your brain kind of just like protects you so you don't remember I, my wife used to always get mad at me. It's like, why can't you remember anything between 14 till zero? I can't remember a dang thing. Only if I get into a spiritual conversation with people and stuff starts coming out. And I'm like, and my wife is listening. She's like, I didn't know that happened to you. I'm like, I didn't either. But generally, I can't remember all this. That's why I had to see a therapist to help me to get all those trapped traumas out. And I'm telling you, it started to free me and I started feeling lighter and lighter. So a lot of times when we just don't know why we're going through all these things, why we're so mad, why we're so angry, why we get triggered over someone who's showing control over us or whatever, it's because someone was showing that when you were younger in a way that you couldn't even possibly imagine. Sometimes we forget. But for me, my music, because I saw the healing in me, I want to do that in others because I know how powerful it is. That's why... Like I've, I've done this thing where online, I'll never post complaining. I can complain. I can complain as much as the other person. But if I put a complaint down, I'm putting out an energy of complaint. And someone that reads it wants to complain. But when I do the opposite and I put down something as positive, someone that reads it will want to think positive, even if it's for one minute or two minutes. Then you do another one, then another one, another one. It's constant, like the food. You're constantly thinking about what you need to eat, right? You just you just helped me with that. It's like you look at the menu. You seen that McDonald's commercial in um, on uh, Super Bowl when everyone's like, "What do you want? Ah, what do you want? Ah, ah." You got to go see it. It's funny. That's all they're doing because we're thinking about what we're gonna eat, but we don't think about what we're gonna think. That's such a great point. I wanna 
Mike, I want to I want to go over to you. So so for our listeners, you know, you have any tidbits for like mentalness or mentalness, mindfulness or things that they could, you know, like something they don't have to like fully just just get like tomorrow they can start practicing this. You know, tomorrow you can make that change. Sure. Um you know, it, from a physical exercise, yoga incorporates some mindfulness. It has deep breathing, um, you know, and breathing and taking a deep breath in and feeling your chest expand and blowing it out and taking a moment just to do five or 10 breaths, you know, as often as possible makes a big difference in how you feel. There's lots of ways to meditate. There's body scans before bed where you start with your head, you close your eyes and you, again, you just deep breathe and you say to yourself, you know, relax your head, relax your head, relax your forehead. I won't do this in case someone's driving. Um, I'm, I'd like to turn it over to uh, Mr. Holman and ask him to answer the same question because I'm sure he's more experienced with mindfulness. That, oh, I, I was going. Yeah, Jameson, what, what do you have? You have some, you know, some tidbits for our listeners, some things that you've uh, you put into that, uh, that, that briefcase of yours? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And just like MJ was saying, man, it is about doing those body scans, what we call a, a progressive muscle relaxation techniques, right? So you start at the top of your head and you just gather all the tension that you possibly can there and then you just let it go. And then you just work your way down every muscle group, you know, from neck muscles down to your shoulders, all the way down to your tippy toes. You know, you do that. There's also a varied, var various styles of breathing techniques you can try. There's four square breathing where you're holding in for four counts and then you exhale for four counts. There's my, my personal favorite. I call it the waterfall slash conveyor belt method, where basically you're just imagining your thoughts passing through a conveyor belt or down a lazy river, and then they just fall off the edge of that waterfall. You are not attached to those thoughts. You're just simply having them but that does not reflect or mean anything about you specifically, right? And if we can get to that point to where we can just observe the thoughts as they're happening and not take that stuff on, then we're golden. And kind of going back to what Alex was saying, the body does truly keep the score. All of this unprocessed trauma, generational trauma, intergenerational trauma, we hang on to that. And we have no idea what to do with that. We just wake up with our bodies hurting and we're aching and we got pains and muscle pains every which way. That's unprocessed trauma that we got to be able to get through. And once we could do that through dieting, like MJ was saying, and through getting this stuff out, like just seeing a therapist, and then all these other techniques that have already been explained, that's how we get through that. And as far as mindfulness, man, there's so much information out there. I mean, you can just do a Google search and you can pull up a lot of this stuff. But one of my go-tos is recognizing uh, a concept of DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy. And that is your wise mind, your emotional mind, and then your logic mind. Wise mind being the, the combination of the two, right? Because we all can think and we can ration through some stuff, but we also have emotions, draw emotions, just that things that we can just feel on this intimate primal level, right? But we can combine the both of them and get into that wise mind. Now we're cooking with oil. Now we're cooking with that extroversion olive oil, right, Mike? <laughs> uh, we're trying to avoid oil. I, just as a comment, it's try, not- Trying to avoid the oil, all right, it, all right. It's not dieting, it's dietary change, yeah. right? It's just a whole different yeah, concept because if sure. you change your diet to the plant-based whole food diet, minimally processed, mm -hmm. lots of fruits, vegetables, mushrooms, whole grains, you don't need to diet. Your weight is going to go right to where it yeah. ought to be. 
So it's just, Ooh, you, you just absolutely. changed it. You'll never need to calorie restrict. Speaking of calorie restriction, there's some amazing evidence on um, fasting for depression. And, you know, I'm not going to do this, but I want you to know that when you stop eating and keep drinking for like the first two to three days, you feel terrible and you feel anxious. And around day three or four, mood changes. You feel good. You got extra energy because, you know, developmentally, we got to go out and we got to, we got to conquer. We got to eat. We got to eat. So you, your acuity becomes much better. So that's a really interesting thought on lifestyle medicine for changing. Y'all better be paying attention. They dropping knowledge bombs over here. So, all right, Alex, what about you? You got, I mean, is there a song you go to? Is there a routine? How, you know, how do you get it? Songs is a big one, you know, like a playlist uh, of just music that you can just go back to. Um, there's a lot of music that sometimes I'll just go on YouTube and I'll type in how I want to feel. So if I want to feel peace and there's these songs that just like just makes you just feel peace. And I'll have that played in, in my house just constantly or in my headphones while I'm doing stuff. And I find I'm more productive. I can do stuff with and creative. And especially me. I gotta try and be, if I can't create, man, I ain't making no money. I got eight kids. I got to create. So I have, <laughs> yeah, no twins, same mother. Here, come say hi to us. I'm doing my hair. <laughs> <laughs> right. And she, she, let me tell you, her workout regime is insane. Like you wouldn't think that she has eight kids because her big thing is, 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 is food, diet and food uh, um, and, and working out, you know? but working smart. But for me, it's the music, but it's also what I tell myself. We have like a, I feel like we have a driving wheel that will always take us to a certain place, always. And we control it. And it has more to do with what types of things we put in our heads. Like if you look to people subconsciously, what they have on their heads, some people have loser written on their head and every single thing they do drives that. And it could be mom or dad that told them that could be a bad breakup and everything. So it's just like, I'm always trying to go back to what is my one word, my one conversation, like my new year's resolution is like, what's the, what's the sentence I'm going to say about myself. That's my new year's resolution. And I say it over and over. I'm, I'm, I just went on Amazon and I'm buying this clicker. You know, those ones where you count people. Right. Yeah. And I read this thing. I don't know if it works, if it's true, but I'm going to try it. But it's saying if you're going through something, right, write down a word that you really want to happen, like peace or joy, and you say it a thousand times because you become what your thought. Yeah. So, so I have this, I, I can't wait to get it. So if I'm feeling in this really desperate situation place and I'm going to count a thousand times how I want to feel, whether it's joy, joy, joy. And I tried it where I didn't have a counter. Guys. It's insane. Like another one, when you walk, like everybody walks and everyone's in the car, do something positive over and over again that you're going to do in the car or you walk, because you know you always walk and you're always in the car. So one of them is just, one of them is when I'm walking, thank you, every step. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And you say it long enough, all of a sudden, it's just like this, this, like the feeling about fasting that you feel. It's just this feeling and something that doesn't last long, but at least you know what you're capable of feeling. You know what I mean? 
For our listeners, Alex, where's the where's the socials? Where can they find you? And just uh, on Instagram or Pimstagram, because that's what we're really doing. Uh, Alex Boye official, Alex B O Y E official, or my Twitter, Alex Boye real. Instagram, I, I mean uh, Facebook, Alex Boye real. So yeah, love it, love it. All right, and James Jameson, where can everybody find you? Everybody can find me on my website, lioncrestcounseling.com. That's lion as in like the African beast lion. Crestcounseling.com. Yeah. Love it, love it. And and the new nickname that I believe was created on the show today, MJ, where can everybody find you? They're going to have to wait a little bit, but the Smart Clinic and Draper in about a month or two. All right, perfect. Gentlemen, thank you so much for spending time with us this afternoon. I hope our listeners really take take heed to some of the advice and some of the little quick easy life changing lessons that you dropped i know i know i'm going to i'm going to take a little bit of everything you know i think the thing that we could all we could all really really take home take heed to is it, it's one step at a time you know i think you know we all get caught up in this goal and forget that it's one step one step you know you focus on the goal so hard that you forget it it's just you know, just a, a little mantra, a word, a word practice or a change or a stretch or a thought. So I, I appreciate I appreciate you all spending time. It, it was it was uh, I loved it. I loved the conversation. It's a pleasure. That was Thank awesome. Thank you. That was yeah, so great. good. I, yeah, yeah, it was, it was what it, uh, it was what the doctor ordered, if you will, y'all. Yeah, for awesome. sure. Having me on. And that's our show. I hope you found something during the show to give you hope or get you off the couch, off the phone, off social media, helping the community. Many thanks to our listeners. Many thanks to our guests. I don't know about y'all, but this was so therapeutic. I think, I think we're all going through something and it's time we start talking about it. I, I, you know, if it wasn't for a couple of my friends and I'm going to shout them out, you know, uh, Talia and Ma, Thank you so much. You, you know, I, I know how vulnerable it is putting things on social media, but it's really a reminder that we are not alone in this. We are all in it together. I'm Rashawn Leak, and this is the Roundtable Tuesdays edition of Radioactive on KRCL.